0: It's always a pleasure to be here and to be able just to share the Word of God. And um, it's hard to believe that Christmas is like five days away. 2020 has been just a weird year altogether for everybody. And to think like that Christmas is coming, it's like I'm excited for it, but I'm like, because the year has just been so long, but uh, it, it's like it took forever to get here, and now it's, it's going to be here soon. And so I hope that you are ready for that. and. Some of us probably have our Christmas shopping already done, some of you, and some of you will have it done at like 9.30 on Christmas Eve. And well, most, most people are shaking their heads, yeah, that's crazy. It was funny, yesterday my wife went out on, up the boulevard into Altoona, and she said it was just insane, the amount of people that were out, everything that was going on, and she, she texted me, she was in the store, and she said, I can't believe it, it took me forever to get here, and I got honked at four times, I never get honked at. I was like, welcome to my world. No, it, it gets crazier every, every year. And I remember being, being a child and being young, and I remember one of the highlights for me is when they used to send the Toys R Us magazine in the mail. Some of you guys might remember that, and you would get it, and it would be this like thick magazine of ads. And uh, my, my parents would always be like, you know, go through and like, circle a few things. I think I would circle something on every page. Just like you would just go wild with the Sharpie and you would go through and you would see what the, the toy is of the year and, and what the gift is that everybody wants this year. And you would kind of go through and, and map your way through this Toys R Us magazine saying, I want this and I want that. And, you know, and there, was, there was always the hottest toy of the year, whatever it would be, whatever you could get. They even made a movie about this years ago with Arnold Schwarzenegger called Jingle All the Way where they're trying to get Turbo Man And if you've seen that movie, it's the hottest toy. And so while I was thinking about this process of like gifts and getting things, I was like, I was wondering what have been the hottest toys over the last several decades. And it's so interesting to me what has shifted. Because in the 1900s, there were rocking horses and crayons. In the 20s, you had radio flyer wagons and yo-yos. The 40s were slinkies and eight balls. Some of you know what an eight ball is. Some of you are shaking your head. And you're in church, and you used an eight ball. How, how dare you? How dare you? The '50s were uh, Barbies and Mr. Potato Head. The '70s was cabbage patch dolls and pet rocks. You really want to mess with your kid this year? Get him a rock. It'd be, I, I would love to see that. I, they do these, un, these unboxing videos. I would love to see a bunch of kids get Pet Rocks just to see the expression. In the 80s, it was Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin, which I had one of those. And then more recently into the 90s, 2000s, you had Beanie Babies, Tickle Me Elmo. Now it's computers, iPads, Amazon Echoes, and Funko Pops. If you don't know what a Funko Pop is, ask one of your kids. But isn't it interesting the transition of what we have seen even from a rocking horse to an iPad and how gifts have always been different over the years and it's always kind of transitioned into different things. And, and it, we always feel the, the pressure really to get the best gift, to get that one thing for that they've been wanting, they've been desiring. And it, there's always that great feeling when you open up that one gift and it's that one thing that you ask for. The one thing that you were designing and you get it and there's something that is sentimental and deep and, and really it's just absolutely amazing. And then as you open it, the joy of the person that gave it to you, there's a joy from them that you are opening that one gift that you've wanted. And there's this whole thing about giving gifts that is just, it's just an amazing thing. It's an amazing feeling, and it's even more sentimental when you give, like, when you give a gift to someone based on, like, an inside joke of something that you know, or we have that in my family. Sometimes we get our gifts for each other. No one else would want this gift, but I get it from my sister because she knows and I know that it's something funny from our childhood, and there's something sentimental and valuable about that, and, you know, I, like, why do we go through this ritual, why are gifts and giving things even a, a thing? Like, where did this even come from? How did this even start? Like, at what point did, did, you, did this happen? Did a caveman give a pet rock to the cave woman? Like, I, I don't know where this all started and all this happened. But giving gifts has been something culturally that has always been in tradition. And opening them, whether it's on Christmas or your birthday, has always been something that's been remarkable. And as I begin to think about this process of giving gifts, it really struck with me that as Christians, we are constantly having this opportunity to give a gift. See, as Christians, the one thing that we can consistently give each and every moment of each and every day is the gift of worship. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, the gift of worship. But it's probably not what you think as the gift of worship. Uh, So when Jesus was born... Jesus was born into this world as a savior of mankind. But remember, Jesus was born as a baby. It wasn't some really, it wasn't some like supernatural thing where, uh, uh, you know, a big light shined down and everything exploded and all of a sudden Jesus walked out. Like this was a very normal birth of of a baby to a mom and a dad. I mean, it's a very, it was a very normal thing, despite the fact, like, he was born in a manger. He had angels that were there, all those things. Yeah, that's the remarkable signs that Jesus came. But into this world, Jesus came like any other baby. It's funny to think about that Mary and Joseph had to nurture Jesus just like any other child. They had to feed him. They had, when he was hungry, they had to put him to bed at a certain time. Jesus probably had to take naps. Just saying, you know and and as the birth of a child as he was as he was born into this world it was it was a very normal cultural thing for people to give gifts as well but when you study the gospels and you study the story of christmas joseph and mary they weren't they weren't from an affluent family they weren't rich they didn't have a lot of stuff they didn't have many of these things but oftentimes in this culture Gifts being given was very important. And we see in Matthew chapter 2 that Jesus, when he was about two years old, he received gifts that weren't normal gifts that you would give a baby. And I'll talk about that this morning. So in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then 9 through 11, it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way, as, and the star that they had seen, the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, and they were filled with joy. They entered into the house and saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. According to most scholars, they believe that Jesus was two years old at this time that's that's roughly the time so Jesus didn't just show up in the manger when or the wise men didn't just show up or the magi as we know them because they we usually call them the three kings but what they really were they were three magi that were scholars that were that were these men that were truly were wise they were educated they were intellectuals they studied the time obviously they were very smart because they understood the stars they understood what all of that meant and they have been looking for a certain star that would be a symbol that was talked about in the Old Testament prophetic pointing to Jesus so these magi went on this journey to discover where Jesus is and it says when they came to the house they saw Mary with Jesus and they bowed down and worshiped him Think about how wild this scenario is. A lot of times we read things in the Bible and we we need to bring it into reality. You you see Jesus, he's hanging out with his mom, probably maybe in the kitchen and they're baking something or playing and all of a sudden a knock on the door and three of these these wise men with this entourage of people show up at the door and begin to bow down to your two-year-old. Your two-year-old probably just had a temper tantrum, but yet... Here comes these three magi that bow down to this two-year-old and begin to worship him. See, the, the magi, they brought gifts to Jesus, but they also understood the significance of the moment. We talk about the gold frankincense and a myrrh. We'll talk about that in one second, but you have to understand the greatest gift the magi gave was their worship. It says it twice in the Scripture. They came to seek to what? To worship him. When they found him and they bowed down, and when they what? They worshiped him. Now, the gifts that they brought were very different than what you would bring a normal child. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I don't know if you, if you know this, but the gold is the most common out of all the three. We still understand today the value of gold. If you're up late at night and you're flipping through the TV and you have cable, you'll see these ads for 1 800 buy gold, 1 800 buy gold. Call here, call. You'll see ads on, on, on the internet all the time popping up on buying gold because there is such a, uh, there's such a value in that. And, and these wise men saw this. And gold has always been important in the lives of people from the time it was found, it was a currency. And it was a mark and a status. Those that were those were that were wealthy, those were that were of a certain uh, status of who they were as a person, had a lot of gold. So the first gift that we see was gold that was brought. In the old testament, you find that when King Solomon was there, the queen brought him she said she brought him loads of gold to honor him. So you have gold that was given, then you have frankincense. And it, it was a precious item. It was used to anoint newborn babies and mixed with oils. It was saw to be a medicine for an upset stomach or even help with skin conditions. It could be chewed or eaten, or it could be seen as an air purifier, like incense that was burned into the air to be able to cleanse the air. And then myrrh was the most commonly used fragrance or perfume, but it was costly to have, and not many people would have it. Myrrh was a way of keeping you smelling good. It was also a important, valuable thing to barter with. All three of these gifts were given to Jesus, given to Mary and Joseph for this child. Now, what is so interesting about this, these three gifts are symbols of royalty. That's what they mean. If you had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you were doing okay. Like, you you were doing very well. And so for, again, Joseph and Mary, people that did not have things of real value, people that were not rich, you have these magi that show up and give gold, frankincense, and myrrh unto Jesus, unto this king. They weren't the normal gifts that you would bring. They're not bringing diapers or baby wipes. They're not bringing even animals to slaughter, to eat. No, they're bringing these things that are a symbolization of royalty. Now, if you really, really want to get into this and the the intricacies of this, there's an amazing study that you can find in the Old Testament when the Jews would go along and they were traveling with Moses. They would oftentimes have to construct their tabernacle, and inside their tabernacle, you find three things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the most holy place, you have this holy place of worship where the most holy, where the priest had to go in and be purified before he would enter into the holy place to worship God. You would find that the whole thing is outlined in gold. The altar is outlined in gold. The walls are outlined in gold as a symbol of the value of this priest going into worship. Then he would take frankincense and myrrh, and he would cleanse the entire inside of the temple to make sure that the place of worship was a place that was purified and honorable. So then you have this correlation of thousands of years later, where you have these wise men, they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. This prophetic symbol of what happened in the Old Testament to prepare a place of worship was now given to Jesus in a place of worship, and how important that gift was. And so we see this when we study, and, and, it's, and it's amazing to understand that during, even Jesus, during the, minute, the time of ministry, there are several times when Jesus is ministering in the, in the New Testament as he's in his 30s, he's traveling and ministering, people give him gifts, And what's so interesting is each gift that is given to Jesus is something that symbolizes a form of worship. If you jump into the New Testament in John chapter 12, verse 3, you have this this interesting thing where Mary takes a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of what's called nard, and she anoints Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. And it says, then the house was filled with the fragrance. So he's in, Jesus is doing ministry. He's in this house with Mary, probably Martha, and some of the other disciples that are around. And during dinner, all of a sudden, this woman comes in. She breaks a bottle of perfume on the feet of Jesus. Now, remember back then, they weren't rocking boots, they weren't you know, wearing Air Force Ones. No, you had, you had basically flip flops, or you had sandals, or you had nothing on your feet. And everywhere that you're walking is dirt. And everywhere that you're walking, you oftentimes had to clean your feet before you entered a house. So this woman begins to take the place of a servant, breaks a bottle of perfume over Jesus' feet, and dries his feet with her hair. And we look at this and we're like, this is a wild story. Like, this is crazy. But again, it's a... It's showing that this perfume that this woman had bought would be about a yearly wage thing for her. It was one of these things that she probably saved up over and over again to be able to buy. And the perfume was only used in, in very important times to, back then. It, did, it wasn't like every day you spritz some on and you go out the door. No, it was very important that you use it at, at a certain place that had a type of importance. But here in this story, we find that it was so important in this moment that she worshiped Jesus that she breaks the perfume at his feet. Why? Because it wasn't about the perfume. It was about the moment of worship. It was about the moment of the validity of the value of saying, this is what this is all about. See, Jesus valued her, but then she also valued Jesus. Jesus was her life. She gave something in order to show, like, hey, I'm giving you something of value to say that I, I love you so much, positioned at his feet. The only positioned people that would be at the feet of anyone were servants or slaves. But yet you have this woman who was a follower of Jesus that valued the relationship so much. And so to worship him, she literally broke that perfume bottle and laid it at the feet of Jesus. And we see all throughout scripture in Luke chapter 10, we see again, we see Mary is found sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening attentively to what he is saying, what he is teaching. See, Mary understood how the significance of who Jesus was enough to take every opportunity to sit at his feet and worship him. And we're not talking about Jesus, like Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're talking about a woman that was broken, that found freedom. And so she would consistently worship Jesus, sitting at his feet, learning, giving things of value that meant so much to her. And so I'm looking at all this, and I'm seeing how Mary gave that which was so much of value in worship to Jesus. I look at these three magi as they give what is so important to Jesus, these gifts that are expensive, that have a lot of value. But as I'm reading this, I'm seeing the most beautiful gift and the recognition they give to Jesus is worship, is what worship is. And I begin to think about this concept of really, is the worship that I give to Jesus of value? Do I give Jesus the valuable worship that I know I can offer him? Or do I give cheap worship to Jesus? See, every one of us knows what it means to kind of be cheap sometimes. Like we know what it is to be like, you know what, we're not gonna we're not gonna buy the valuable thing, we're gonna buy the cheap thing. We're not gonna go with the Coca-Cola, we're gonna go with the true value brand. We're gonna we're not gonna go with this, we're gonna go with that. We all know what it means to be cheap and, and and to say, hey, you know what, we're gonna do this and we're not gonna do that. And sometimes I truly believe that we get so caught up in this relationship with God sometimes that we take it for granted. That in moments of true worship that are calling for our value, we give cheap worship. Ah, well, I'm just going to sing the song and raise my hands. Oh, I'm just going read to read, read my little devotional today because I have to. Oh, you know, i got to pray before I eat. And we get in this mindset of this out-of-obligation of giving God true, cheap worship rather than true, valuable worship. Because worship is so much more than lifting your hands and singing a song in the beginning of service. It's so much more than coming to an altar at the end of service and lifting your hands. And as I begin to just look at this and I begin to see this act of worship, I begin to think about how your worship to God is through your tithe and offering that you faithfully give to the church. Your worship that you give to God is by loving others as you love yourself. Your worship is living a holy and righteous life. Your worship is by giving your best effort in anything that your hands touch. Your worship is doing the best that you can at your job and having integrity and character and honesty through what you do. Your worship to God is being, understanding the importance of any life that's entrusted to you. Your worship by God is being obedient to what Scripture says. Your worship to God is giving yourself as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to Him. See, we got to understand that true worship is not just singing a song, but it's living a life. It's living a life that is holy and pleasing to God. It's bringing the most value out of how our Christianity and how our relationship with Jesus is. How much it really means to us. To have this understanding that we get to go and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is it something that we value? Is it something that we hold near and dear to our hearts? Is it something that is so much of a value to us that in that moment we we get that appreciation of, of giving a gift to God of worship? That same feeling that we give to our child when they open up that gift that they always wanted and that, that joy and emotion that comes inside of you. Is that same? Is that the same when you worship God? Is that the same feeling that you get when you give the gift of worship? And what's so interesting about worship and, and how we live, it's something that is. An incense and a fragrance unto God. See, frankincense and myrrh were something that had to do with a fragrance. It had to do with the smell of things. You ever walk into, I'll tell you, I go to youth camp every year. I walk into a middle school boy's room. There is a smell that comes out of there that is, oh. I wish I had some frankincense and myrrh. I just smother all of them in it. But there's a smell that when you walk in, it literally hits you in the face. Or when you walk into one of the stores that have all the candles and you walk in and your sinuses clean right up. We all understand the significance of that, of the fragrance of something. There is a fragrance of something that stinks, but then there's a fragrance of something that is beautiful. The Bible says that when we worship God, it is a fragrance that rises up unto him. And it's not just the singing of songs. See, the fragrance of worship is when you're living each and every day in your relationship with the Lord, sold out, loving God, loving people, doing, doing the right thing because it's the right thing, doing, living a holy and righteous life. Why? Simply because the word of God tells you to. It's being honorable in your job. That's a fragrance that goes up as a form of worship. It's being obedient to to being the best parent or best husband or best wife or best step-parent or whatever it is. It's being the best of that. When you do that, the fragrance rises up into the Lord. See, we have to understand that the greatest gift that you and I have to give is not something that we pull out of our wallet or our purse, but it's something that we sacrifice our life with and say, I'm giving all of this. Because being a Christian is about being all in. It isn't about being just halfway in between this. It's really being sold out and being contrary to what the world is. And I, I'll be honest, I'm seeing a shift in culture where we're seeing the blending of, of so many things into, the, into Christianity that just doesn't fit. We're accepting things that should never be acceptable. And we're becoming, we, we have this mindset, oh, that's just the way that it is. Oh, it's just the signs of the times. We cannot allow the excuse of what is going on in culture to be acceptable into our Christianity if it's not acceptable to the Lord. But so oftentimes, that's what we're seeing. And that's when we begin to enter into devaluing the worship that we give to God, the cheap worship that we give. Only doing this half in and not wholly sold out for this. So we have to understand that the concept of giving the gifts is great, but giving your life is the gift that you give to God. Why? Well, because the greatest gift that was given to mankind was a life that was given to us. See, with all the people in the life of Jesus that honored and worshipped him through the giving of gifts, Christ himself was the greatest gift that could ever be given. He himself. He understood the importance of gift-giving so much. He was fully God as he sat at the right hand of the Father, but yet he was decided, I'm going to become fully man, and I'm going to offer myself as a gift unto a people that don't deserve it for the redemption of their sins. Christ came in the form of a baby, and he was in a manger like that, right here that was behind me. He didn't show up born in a Hilton He was more born in like what people believe is a cave where animals were eating and probably didn't smell good and probably didn't look right, but that's where Jesus was. And God had to sacrifice his only son in order for us to be looked upon as righteous. So think about this. God had to give the gift of his son Jesus to be devalued so that we could be valued. Taking the sin of all of us upon himself so that we could be we could be righteous and clean. The gift of God giving to us, the one and only son. He gave it so that we could look, be looked upon as righteous and then enjoy eternity in the presence of God. There's so many other gifts that God gives us. The gift of mercy and, and of grace and all of these things are so amazing. But can I tell you that all of the gifts that we need are in the gift of Jesus. Jesus literally embodies all of the things that we need. Who he is, his character, his person. When you read scripture, how he interacts with people. We need to study how he interacts with people so that we can understand how do we interact with people. How do we do this? See, the gift giving and the gift of concepts is highlighted in Christmas because this is when we give the most gifts. It's when we go crazy and we usually spend more than we normally do. We budget all year round so that we can splurge on Christmas and we can give people gifts and do all that type of stuff. And we give it to our family, our friends, some of us. Some of us, your, your love language is gift giving, so you buy everybody a gift. It's highlighted in Christmas. And so in this season, what could be more important than to highlight the understanding that the greatest gift we give is worship? The greatest gift that we can give to Jesus Is worship. This gift is not meant to be kept to ourselves. The gift of worship is called to also be given to others. How do others see you? How do others view you? When they know that you are a Christian, how do they they see that? See, what's what's interesting is I I watch it all the time, especially with teenagers. I see it constantly. We'll go to, we will go to like a a youth conference or go to camp or whatever. And, you know, we start into worship in the songs. And you'll have a few kids that lift your hands. And then you'll see the, the kids do this. Like literally, it's like you see, you like I I watch it I laugh all the time because I'm literally watching when teens get together, you see one kid worship, two kid worship, and they're all looking at each other. And then next thing you know, they're all lifting their hands and they're all in worship. Why? Because worship becomes contagious. And as funny as that analogy is, true worship becomes contagious to the world. When they see you sold out worshiping the Lord, they will say, I want what they have. Because the gift of worship is not just for ourselves but it's to be a symbol to everyone else what is going on and how that works. See, the gift of Jesus was not just for our benefit. The gift of Jesus was for the benefit of all mankind. Because Jesus is for everyone everywhere at all times. So the biggest question I have for you this morning when you are giving the gift of worship, what are you giving? What is the value? What is the assessment on the worship that you give? Are you giving a worship that is valuable? Are you giving a worship that means so much to you? Or are you giving cheap worship unto God? See, it would have been really interesting if we read the story of the three magi that came, and they, and they didn't give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe they, gave, uh, 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 maybe they gave, I don't know, a baby lamb. Maybe they gave a couple coins, and maybe they gave, like, a bottle of wine. If we were to read that in Scripture, we'd be like, ah, okay. It really wouldn't mean much to us. Because those are things that we're like, ah, oh, okay, whatever, that's what they gave. But when we read, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then we understand the value and how important this really means. It blows our minds. They're like, wow, this is amazing. This is, this is crazy that these, these three guys gave this. And, is, and why? Because there's, valuable in the, there's value in the gifts that are given. There is value in the worship that we give unto God. True value that is in this worship that we give unto God. But what is it that we're giving? And so if you could just take a moment this morning and bow your head and close your eyes. The gift of worship that we give unto God is the greatest gift that we can literally give. And sometimes we do give cheap worship we give a worship that is cheap and we give a worship that in the moment really doesn't mean anything to us we're just doing it because we have to what begins to happen is this cheap worship begins to be in every aspect of our relationship with the Lord so beyond lifting our hands we live a life in a Christianity That is more defined by just the label rather than the value and what we really do in worship to God. And I can't think of a greater season than the Christmas season to reevaluate our walk with the Lord and say, I want to do this differently. I want to give my life as a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing and is the greatest acts of worship 2020 has tested us to the to like the core of who we are but we have this opportunity in 2021 and further on to give every moment of worship to God of value we can assign the value by just saying i am selling out this year more than ever before And so this morning, I just really want us as a a church, as a community, as a a body, for each and every one of us just to make a commitment to say from this point forward, I will give value in my worship. From this point forward, I'm not going to take it for granted that, oh, hey, yeah, it's great to be a Christian. No, I'm going to seize every moment as a moment of worship. And it's going to be the most valuable moment of my day. It's going to be the most valuable thing that I have. And it doesn't matter if you're the youngest person in the room or the oldest person in the room. Every one of us can have this reset to say that I'm going to assign value to the worship that I bring. Just pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the greatest gift that we could receive. You gave the greatest thing of value to you so that our value could be exposed to the world. And as value is seen in Jesus, value is seen in us. So God, from this moment forward, I pray that we give a true act of worship. I pray that we give value in the worship that we give to you. I pray that each and every moment that we live this walk with you, this journey of Christianity, this adventure in this relationship that we have with you, God, that it will be one that truly has a value that means so much. And so, God, as we continue in this, I pray that you change us, I pray that you challenge us. God, I pray that you renew us, that our relationship will be different than ever before. And God, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. And God, this Christmas season, let us be a people that not only give worship that is a value, God, we help a world see what it means to truly be in a relationship with you. So, God, I thank you. I praise you. God, continue to bless us and be with us as we worship in just another moment, in another way. As we give each and every moment of our lives to you. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen.